1: Welcome to Bo Deedle's true crime story. Well, today, I got my partner with me today. We waded through the police department together. A lot of interesting cases. You know what, you can hear a lot of people talk about cases. But Mike Servola, retired detective lieutenant. I'm very proud. He's like my brother. I got him and my one other brother left. That's all I got left. And Mike is truly a great detective that currently works as our chief investigator at Bowdiedle Associates. So what you do is you get one of the top detectives working on the cases that we have. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most infamous cases in New York City history, the son of Sam. Now, the son of Sam was it had happened in 1976 through 1977. Now, you got to remember, we had the big blackout of 77, and Mike and I were working during that time also. Well, of course, 13 months, it went from 76 to 77. The was fear all over New York City. You had the reporter that was involved getting notes back and forth from him. Jimmy Breslin was involved in this. And I'm telling you, people were scared. People didn't want to go out. And I remember it was like, yesterday. And we remember this was this unknown serial killer that turned out to be David Berkowitz. All the people in New York were scared. Nobody wanted to go out. It was six women and men were shot and killed. Six were dead. And it hit all the boroughs. We're going to describe today, Mike and I, a little bit about the case. First, again, Mike and I at that time we were in what they called citywide anti-crime that became street crime unit. And we were working on the case. And we used to, because they were hitting out outside of nightclubs, so we used to get dressed up. We'd put wigs on. It was a little funny, me having a beard, having a wig on. Well, I looked like a bearded lady on that. Mike was okay with that. He looked cute with the beard. And all the newspapers battled for the latest information, and then all of a sudden it was a— Perfect storm. All of a sudden, Sam Roberts, the Daily News city editor in 77, told the New York Times of the media frenzy that was going on. Everybody wanted to know. I'm going to start with the timeline. Let me start with the timeline of what happened beginning in 1976, July 29th. This is the first attack, these were the first victims. The first attributed to the victims to this killer would become known as the Son of Sam occurred in the Pelham Bay area of the Bronx. Two women, Jody Valentini and Donna... Loria, 18 years old, was sitting in Valentini's double park Ozmobile when a man approached the car and fired three bullets. Loria was killed instantly, and Valentini was shot in the thigh before the man walked away, and he walked away like he did nothing. Valentini described the attacker as a white male in his 30s, approximately five foot eight, about 200 pounds, with short, dark, curly hair, then we'll go to the second one, Mike. October
2: 23rd, 76, two more people shot, but they survived. Carl De Niro, 20 years old, and Rosemary Keenan, 18, they were shot while sitting in a parked car in a residential area of Flushing, Queens. Both survived, but De Niro was struck in the head by one of the bullets, and the police later speculated that De Niro might have been mistaken for a woman due to his shoulder-length, long hair.
1: Now, we remember, before we go to the next one, we remember, Michael, We had the, they had dark wigs for us yep. because it was all a wrong thought. We thought that it was just shooting ladies with dark hair. And when we come to what's going to happen eventually, that scenario went right off the board. So the next one is November 27, 1976— A couple's attacked by a man in military fatigues. Following a late movie, Donna DeMassi, 16 years old, and Joanne Lamino, 18, were headed to Lamino's home in Floral Park, Queens. When they were approached on the street by a man dressed in military fatigues who produced a revolver and shot each woman once, they were attacked and fired several more times before running away. Though shot in the neck, Demacia survived without permanent injury. Lomino was shot in the back, and she was paralyzed. The next one, Mike. Then on January 30th
2: of 1977, there was another attack, and Christine Freund and her fiancé John Deal were shot as they sat in Deal's car in Flushing, Queens again. Panicked, Deal sped away. He suffered minor injuries, but Freund was shot twice and later died in the hospital. Like the previous attacks, there appeared to be no motive. But following the murder, the police made the first public acknowledgement that the attack bore similarities to the earlier events we just mentioned. All the victims were struck with 44 caliber bullets, and the assailant appeared to be attacking young women with long, dark hair. At the time... Police said
1: they were looking for multiple suspects. Okay, Mikey. So now we have ballistics in some of the cases. Uh, for the listening audience out there, ballistics means they look at the, the round that they recovered from the body or from anywhere, and they matching, they're starting to match them up. They match these ballistics. That it came out of the same gun. And am I true on that, Michael? Yeah, that's That's, that's going to come into play. So now what's happened is the city's, in turmoil. Do you remember back in March of seventy seven? Oh, Michael? I
2: sure do. I mean people, you know, who used to, you know, go and make out in the cars when we were teenagers, that all came to a grinding halt. Everybody was afraid for and their lives. And every
1: parent says, Do not. Yeah. Hey, you wanna take your boyfriend home? Let them go to your room. Don't be Uh, be kissing in the car. I
2: remember young girls not being able to go out after dark. Their parents wouldn't let them out because of this maniac.
1: Wow. And then, okay, now the next one happens. Okay. Okay. It's, It's March the 8th, 1977. A College students attacked in the same area, returning home in the evening after college classes. Virginia was... I can't pronounce it, Mike.
2: Tr- I
1: apologize to the family. 19 years old, who lived in the same neighborhood where fumed and had been attacked, was shot in the head and died instantly with local newspapers, the Daily News and the New York Post now reporting on the shootings. On a daily basis, Mike, it was in the paper every yeah, day. Every day. It was revealed at a press conference two days after... Vasquezians murder that the police strongly suspected the same forty-four bulldog revolver had been used in attacks. Now, Michael, your experience and my experience is they knew it, but they weren't alluding to it. They were not giving the public all the information. Right, they were
2: they were holding the evidence close to the vest, but they knew. We knew, the NYPD knew there was a pattern. They knew that a single weapon was being used in all these vicious shootings.
1: Yeah, now all of a sudden, Michael, April 1777, what well,
2: happens? Uh, the killer announces his identity for the first time, and I remember this very well. Valentina Suriani and her boyfriend, Alexander Esau, were sitting in Suriani's car near her home in the Bronx, and they were each shot twice. S.L. died at the scene, and Suriani later died at the hospital. But for the first time, the killer announced his identity via a handwritten note left for the police at the crime scene, and he referred to himself as Son of Sam
1: and promised that the killings would continue. So this was the first time that 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 wording was used as the son of Sam. Now people were afraid and the son of Sam became scenario. Do you remember, Mike? Every newspaper, every day had some kind of a some kind of a tip, some kind of clue. And it was crazy. And now all of a sudden we're jumping. The next thing that happens, Michael,
2: well,
1: and you know, your memory. Yeah. You,
2: Jimmy Jimmy Bresling gets a gets a letter sent to him from the son of Sam.
1: Right. Now this is this is May thirty seventy seven. A friend of mine, I grew up with in Ozone Park. I knew Jimmy. I know his kids today. Yep. Daily, Well, Jimmy died. Daily News columnist Jimmy Breslin received a handwritten letter from someone claiming to be the son of Sam, the shooter. Within the letter, name checks one of the first victims, Loria, warning Breslin not to forget her. And you cannot let people forget her either. She was a very, very sweet girl. But Sam's a thirsty lad. And he won't let me stop killing until he gets his fill of blood. What a threat. He's like talking in a third person. What's him. The letter was signed, Son of Sam. The Daily News presented the missive to police. And 10 days later, published a redacted version in what would become one of the paper's biggest selling issues— Ever with more than one million copies. Sold. So now he's actually talking in a third person that he is on direction of Sam. This is getting scary at this point. With reports now this now with reports now circling that victims all had that same thing you said, Mike. That long, long dark, dark hair, hair yep. woman in New York. They began cutting their hair. You didn't have to cut them, Mike. You were going bald at that time. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> but this is crazy. And employees, they were buying bright dyes to make their hair look blonde so they wouldn't look dark. That's freaky. Okay, Mike. Let's well, bring it into the 26th of so 1977.
2: Well, in June of 77, a couple gets attacked outside a club. So they went to a disco And we remember the name Eliphas being the club. Judy Placido and Sal Lupo was shot while sitting in Lupo's car. And they both survived. But they told the cops when they were interviewed later, they were discussing the
1: son of Sam when they got shot. Wow. 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 Now, Michael, you and I. Sat in separate cars yep. outside of Eliphas on Northern yep. Boulevard. Do you remember? We
2: were all over that area night after night after night. You know, And, and back in those days, anybody who looked like they might have been carrying a gun. Well,
1: I've got to be honest with you, Michael. When you put the lipstick on, you were kind of cute with that <laughs> way. I'll be honest with you. But that was, we were living and breathing. What, what were we dreaming about? We were dreaming about capturing this guy, it, right?
2: It would have been the arrest of our career. Well. You know.
1: Well, all I know is now comes the change of, of attack patterns. July 31st, it was a hot summer. When was the blackout, Michael? I think it was July 77. Yeah, well, no, it was oh, July 77, because that was part of the blackout. Yeah. All right, the first attack happened with a person with blonde hair. Okay, here we go. Robert Volante. 20 years old, and Stacey Moskowitz, 19, was shot in Volante's car while on their first date, Volante would lose his left eye. Moskowitz would die 18 hours after the attack, which was the first to take place in the borough of Brooklyn, the first involved in a victim. We weren't in Brooklyn then. We were, we were focusing on Queens, all over there. Moskowitz, guess what? She had blonde hair hair. Yep. Days later, an eyewitness would come forward claiming to have seen a man with what looked like a gun minutes before the Brooklyn shootings, and that other police officers were writing parking tickets at that time. This becomes one of the key pieces of evidence. A search revealed that one of the ticket cars, I believe it was on the Johnny Pump, on a fire engine, yep. yep. last night belonged to some guy named Berkowitz, and what town was he from, Michael? Do you remember? He was from Yonkers. Yonkers. And he was a postman. And he was already being investigated by complaints of harassment. And this was, this was, and we'll talk a little bit that now before we get him arrested. We got to remember, he was a guy who was listening to his dog, allegedly. And then- Black
2: two, Labrador retriever. Right.
1: And we'll go into this. You know, he was uh, 24 years old. He lives in Yonkers, Right. He was arrested in front of the parking building. Now, the detectives that arrested him, I'd met on many occasions. They were, in my opinion, two of the great detectives. Yeah. Eddie Longo, Eddie, uh, Eddie, Eddie Zigo, Zigo. and Longo. Two mm. great detectives. I think they were with Brooklyn uh, South Homicide. They were guys that I looked up to and you did too, yep. Michael, as being great detectives. Yep. So now a little bit more about the background on him. They arrested him in front of his apartment building. Police had investigated Berkowitz's car and discovered... A rifle in the back seat, maps of crime scenes, and ammunition. Waiting until Berkowitz left the apartment building, police arrested him as he sat behind the wheel of his car. A bag containing the 44 caliber revolver was recovered next to him. And a smiling Berkowitz reported and said to the arresting officer, well, you got me.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. The following day, he confessed all the shootings and he claimed that it was a demonic spirit that spoke to him through his former neighbor's black Labrador retriever. And he also told the cops he was responsible for. For fifteen hundred fires set around the city, and he was only twenty-three years old at now, the time of his first murder.
1: Somebody Evans, if you remember, Michael, I, I'm remembering he was going to go out to the Hamptons and shoot up a club. Yep. Do you remember yep. that, Michael? I
2: remember he, hearing about that. It was reported after his arrest, right?
1: And he he mentioned that he was going to go to one of the clubs and shoot up one of the clubs, and then all of a sudden he said he was crazy, which we we know he was crazy, but I'm just glad that they didn't. Judge him insane because he would have been in, in a different avenue. He withdrew his insanity defense and he pleaded guilty to six murders being given six Twenty-five years life sentences for the crimes, all of which would be denied parole ever since. Following his arrest, Berkowitz made statements that he had part of a he was part of a violent cult that aided him in carry out. Now, I, I've seen a lot of things, Michael. They have shows on this yeah. with some group upstate. You, you have a little bit of
2: insight on that. Well, I know that there was. Detailed further investigation as to whether he was part of a cult, but there's no hard evidence that was ever uncovered to support the claim. A lot of people still wonder if, you know, Berkowitz acted alone. And a couple of former uh, detectives believe he's working with a group of Attached to a satanic cult. Yeah. But it was never, you know, proven. There's no certainty to it. So Yeah,
1: but on, on this thing right now, they have these shows where they're dancing around in a cave upstate New York, drinking blood, eating a chicken's head or some crap like that. And they were trying to make it like it was a whole group of people. But that was never proven. And in reality, the same gun that was used was the same gun. So if they had a bunch of them, I would have thought they got another gun, but they didn't. And then once uh, Bernie it got locked up, and uh, and blamed him. They, they blamed him for everything. They said it was done. All I know is Jim Rustin, a retired New York Police Department detective, thought that he was part of this gang. Mike, I don't know him, but I think it was like when you use a hand gesture, Michael. That's what I think it was. It was his. It was like a Billy Stanton special. That's what it was like, and you know. I just got to remember one thing. I remember this case so vividly that it was the most fear that yeah. this city had under. The city was paralyzed because of this for, for about a year, you know? And uh, then you remember the blackout of 77. Oh, we, we were all over the city. The
2: most insane night I could ever remember yeah, in my life. Yeah, because this is
1: part and parcel because it's the yeah. same time. I remember we had, the blackout was around five in the afternoon, Michael. And then all of a sudden we we're on Randalls Island, street crime unit. Next thing they tell us, Put your police shirt on, uniform, shirt get your scooter helmet on get a baseball bat and stop the looting <laughs> uh today I don't think that would have happened Mike
2: right no I never made it back to the street crime base on on Randall's Island we were just out there and we were you know three guys against the world I yeah. mean they were it driving cars everywhere. through car dealerships and going into Sears on yeah, but you know Road, where I went out with television you know sets? where I
1: went with Pete Mantovi and Danny Cavallo and then then and, and, and uh, Dan, Danny Cavallo and Jonathan Abate.
2: Adam, Adam Apple? No, no, no. What we
1: did was this. I said, look, it, this is going to be a tough night. All the lights are off. Uh, Bushwick was burning. South Bronx is burning. East Holland's burning. They tell us, report here, report there. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is going to be a long night. Where should we go? Peter Lucas, go to Bushwick. <laughs> I right, come in the back door. I knock on the back door. I said, hello, cops. Oh, they open the door. They go, oh, we're so glad to see you. How do you want your steaks done? <laughs> it was the medium's good. Next thing, what are you drinking? Johnny Black. Put a bottle of Johnny Black down here. So we ate a good meal until we went out there. Before you went to battle. Before we went into battle. Always have a good meal. And one of the things that always reminded me, because I still got my scars in my hand, we were up in the South Bronx, and the guy was firing shots. And the next thing is, I started approaching the guy, Michael, and the guy bends over. He had a gun. Bends over, and I give him an uppercut. And I take his two front teeth out in my hand. They were sticking out of my neck. Na- <laughs> then he had another gun in his back. He had a third gun on his ankle. I locked him up with three guns. So they take me to Lincoln Hospital. And some genius surgeon over there stitches my hand up. The next day, I got these red lines going up my arm. My arm swallow up. Infection. And they had to put a, a, a pipeline there to take the infection out. That's what I remember from the Blackout of 77, having a very severe infection from cracking that guy in the mouth. Three guns, Mike. Three guns.
2: You know, what I remember about that night, like you said, you were wearing your scooter helmet. I never could get back to the base. They raided a sporting goods store on Fordham Road in the Grand Concourse, and the windows were all busted out. So we put two, uh, three motorcycle helmets on our heads to protect ourselves, yeah.
1: and it was the most Insane night. The most insane night as my career on the police department yeah. was. It was. I mean, it makes the 2020 riots look like they were teething. Yes, yes. I mean, it was. I mean, it was nothing in comparison. Yeah, and I mean, but going back to this case, I would say. It's got to be in the top five cases of all times, uh, uh, maybe number one.
2: Without question. I mean, Uh, uh, this was the biggest case. New York was spellbound by it. People were shaking in their boots, afraid to let their kids out. Because it went on for
1: over a year. Yeah. So you got to remember, this trauma was going on for over a year. And then the whole scenario with us sitting there with dark-haired wigs on, and poor Stacy got murdered, and uh, that changed the whole scenario. And thank God—is the son of Sam out of jail, Michael? No, no. I thought he was the mayor of Yonkers or something by now. <laughs> Not I, yet. Oh, okay.
2: But the way things are going, it's entirely possible. a matter possible. of time, matter yep. of
1: time. Uh, well, the guy I locked up for the Palm Sunday Massacre, I think he's the mayor of Baltimore by now or something. <laughs> but the point is, this was one of the most unbelievable cases, and Mike and I— shared our lives being on the New York City Police Department when those years a cop was a cop we were respected by the good guys, the bad guys and we respected everybody back and that's the way it should be but this was one of the most interesting stories and everybody please tune in to our all our shows, Bo Deedles One Tough True Crime Stories and we're going to be back with another interesting story thank you very very much for tuning in thank you